Hello, my name is Jacob Schondel. I am the Webmaster and Media and Technology Committee Chair for Shepherd of the Valley, and you are listening to the ShepherdCast, the weekly podcast from Shepherd of the Valley Lutheran Church in Sandyville, Ohio. Each week, we bring you our weekly sermon in audio form, as well as our weekly Bible readings. We thank you for joining us for worship, as even though you may not have been able to join us on Sunday morning, we are glad to have you with us through this podcast. Now, if you like what you hear, and you're able, and you live in the Northeast Ohio area, we invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. You can learn more about our worship experience at sotvchurch.com slash worship. In case you're curious what the readings are for this Sunday, or you would like to follow along in your Bible, we will be taking a look at the readings listed in our show notes for today's episode. Also, when we read our readings, those come out of the NRSV translation of the Bible. So, without further ado, here's this week's readings read by our lay reader, followed by the Gospel and Sermon by the Rev. Scott J. Anderson. Good morning. Good morning. The first lesson this morning comes from Exodus, 20th chapter, verses 1 through 17. God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath, or, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of parents to the third and fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. You, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. Honor your father and your mother, so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witnesses against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or male or female slave, or ox, or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The psalm this morning is Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky proclaims its maker's handwork. 
One day tells its tale to another, and one night imparts knowledge to another. Although they have no words or language, and their voices are not heard, their sound has gone out into all the lands, and their message to the ends of the world, where God has pitched a tent for the sun. It comes forth like a bridegroom out of his chamber. It rejoices like a champion to run its course. It goes forth from the uttermost edge of the heavens and runs about to the end of it again. Nothing is hidden from its burning heat. The teaching of the Lord is perfect and revives the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure and gives wisdom to the simple. The statutes of the Lord are just and rejoice the heart. The commandment of the Lord is clear and gives light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean and endures forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous together. More to be desired are they than gold, more than much fine gold, sweeter far than honey, than honey in the comb. By them also is your servant enlightened, and in keeping them there is great reward. Who can detect one's own offenses? Cleanse me for my secret faults. Above all, keep your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not go get dominion over me. Then shall I be whole and sound and innocent of a great offense. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Our second lesson comes from 1 Corinthians, 1st chapter, verses 18 through 25. The message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will store the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, God decided through the foolishness of our proclamation to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks desire wisdom, but we proclaim Christ crucified a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Let us proclaim the Lenten sentence. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the second chapter, beginning at the 13th verse. The Passover of the Judeans was near, 
and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a house of market. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Judeans then said to him, what sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Judeans then said, this temple has been under construction for 46 years and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. The gospel of our Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. Let us pray. Gracious God, Sometimes it's hard for us to deal with the shocking and scandalous things that you do, such as cleansing the temple, even more so to die a scandalous criminal's death on a cross, to die for our sins, the sin of the world. Help us during this season of Lent that we may have a similar zeal for you in our lives. Help us to have a sense of loving you and having a healthy respect for you. We ask that you send your Holy Spirit upon me that I may preach your word truthfully and faithfully. In this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Spring cleaning. Did I hear some groans out there? Well, it's that time of year, isn't it? Uh, maybe it's time to take those Christmas decorations down. I don't know. Uh, and with uh, the promise of warmer weather this week, there is that opportunity for the house to be aired out, dust among ceiling fans and mini blinds and those hard to get to places to get cleaned. Storage places like the garage or the attic or the basement, all of those places that seem to just magnetically attract clutter uh, during the winter need to be thoroughly gone over. Springtime marks renewal, new beginnings, and useless clutter is discarded. Jesus 
started spring cleaning uh, last week and continues this week. Last week, we were surprised by Jesus because he did some spring cleaning on the image of who Messiah is. The Messiah was not a conquering hero who would reestablish the kingdom of Israel as a great nation by overthrowing the Romans. Rather, as we heard Walt Wengren's story, the Messiah comes as a ragman, scandalously ushering in God's kingdom through suffering, rejection, and execution as a common criminal on a cross. This Messiah who dies such a shameful and scandalous death is certainly not safe. So imagine that scene that we heard in the gospel text this morning. Making a whip of cords, Jesus drives out all the animals, okay? Whoo! Doves are flying everywhere. Cattle are stampeding. Sheep are bleeding all over the place. And all in this cacophony, okay? Not only that, the money changers' tables are overturned. Coins clanking and spilling all over the place. People diving to get the money. You can imagine them doing that, can't you? Talk about cleaning house. Whew. The cleansing of the temple breaks our mold and concept of a nice, neat Jesus. It challenges us. Many years ago, there was uh, the question of what would Jesus do Sometimes the answer is making a whip of cords and driving out all the animals and overchanging tables. The cleansing of the temple then, as John observes, reminded him of the Psalm 69, verse 9. Zeal for your house will consume me. Jesus in cleansing the temple challenges not only our image of Jesus, but also ourselves. Do we have that zeal? Does zeal for God's house consume us? Do we need to do some spring cleaning in the temple of our body? And if so, where do we need to start our spiritual spring cleaning? This season of Lent is indeed a good time for us to ask such questions. We need to ask ourselves, what core beliefs do we believe in? What core beliefs do we need? What fluff needs to be discarded? And exactly who are we as Lutheran Christians? 
Just like spring cleaning, we need to look at that spiritual things that we absolutely need to let go in order to get back to the basics. In our epistle this morning, there is the basic, the one thing that we just cannot throw out. St. Paul, in his first letter to the Corinthians, points out to what is absolutely necessary, the cross of Christ. Judeans demand signs, Greeks demand wisdom, but we proclaim Christ crucified. See, those signs and those wisdoms are fluff, signs that the Judeans asked Jesus. And I always thought that that was a very funny question. You know, you imagine all that uh, happening in the temple. Uh, Jesus had just performed one sign uh, in the uh, wedding feast at Cana, uh, the Torah and uh, creation itself are considered also to be signs. So there's signs really among the Judeans. And then after all the dust has settled, can you show us a sign? Really? Isn't this enough? <laughs> Go figure. However, the death and resurrection of the Christ which Jesus already is foreshadowing here, only in the second chapter of John. This is the stuff that we lay our foundation of faith. St. Paul later writes in that same 1 Corinthians, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one that has been laid. That foundation is Jesus Christ. Chapter 3, verse 11, if you want to look it up. How Jesus lived and what Jesus taught, you know, these are both the same when you get right down to it, are how we are called to live our lives with the same love and the same zeal that Jesus had for his Father and for others. This is what it means to love one another as I have loved you. This is what it means to be that disciple, to deny oneself, take up the cross, and follow him. The cross of Christ is the essential piece of our faith, the grace of God that grants us those victories that we could never earn on our own, the victories over sin, death, and the devil. The grace of God, the cross of Christ, is an essential in the Lutheran faith. So then, how do we respond to this grace? Well, our first lesson this morning is an indicator. The Ten Commandments is an essential point for us to understand our response to God's grace. Martin Luther in his small catechism reminds us that we should not take the Ten Commandments extremely literally or we will miss the intent that God has for us. Luther asks the question to each commandment, what does this mean? And when looking into each commandment, nine times out of 10, the answer is the same. We are to fear and to love God. 
in the first commandment, he also asked trust. First of all, we are to fear God. And in our psalm this morning, we are reminded that the fear of the Lord is clean and endures forever. And it's fear not in the sense of being afraid, but in the sense of having true awe and respect for God. This is what those first three commandments are about. This sense of holy awe is an act of healthy respect for God. To give you an idea of sense of awe, I share with you uh, what took place when I was in the eighth grade. I had the honor uh, after everyone in the school wrote essays uh, to be part of John Glenn's honor guard representing the eighth grade. And he was my boyhood hero. John Glenn, if you recall, was the first American astronaut to orbit the Earth, a fellow Ohioan. And he was campaigning at the time uh, for the US Senate and had come to our school because I think one of the parents uh, was a good supporter of his uh, financially, be that as it may. As he was waiting for his limo after he had talked uh, at our school, I had the opportunity of being with him one-on-one. -on -one. And I wanted to share how much his being at our school meant to me, how much his example meant to me, and his humbleness. He always said we, he never said I, whenever talking about uh, whether it was his Mercury mission or his shuttle mission, even his time in the Senate. So much was my awe for him. And of course, what came out of my mouth was something like, <laughs> but after I was able to compose myself a little bit and share with him a little of what I was feeling, he was very gracious. And I think sometimes it's okay to get a little tongue-tied when we are praying to God. Maybe it's hard to put into words what we are feeling, but God knows. The other side of Luther's equation was love. So bear with me for just a minute or two. Because uh, seminary education is expensive, and it's rare that I get a chance to share with you something I learned in church history. So uh, trying to put the seminary dollars to work, uh, I share with you a part of an essay that really made an impact to me when I was studying church history. It was written by Bernard of Clairvaux. And if you haven't heard of Bernard, uh, that's okay. He lived from the years 1090 to 1153. So uh, it's been some time since he's been on this earth. But in his essay, he shared some wonderful insights. The cause of loving God is God himself. And the way to love God is without measure. God is to be loved for God's own sake. 
why God should be loved is that God first loved us. When we were sinners, God reconciled us to himself. In that regard, the faithful should know how utterly they stand in the need of Jesus and him crucified. One should wonder at and reach out to that supreme love. Bernard asks the question, since God loves whose greatness knows no bounds, whose wisdom cannot be counted, whose peace passes all understanding, should we measure out our response? No. Our response is to love God in proportion to our gift and to our capacity. Still, that is less than just, as Bernard observes, but is still beyond ourselves. We need love, and we need to love God. We need that active verb of love in response to God's love for us as shown through the cross of Christ. Now, I'm going to give you another opportunity here. And I want you to close your eyes and not do anything. Imagine a preacher asking you to close your eyes during the sermon, but here it is. So just do that for just a few moments. Okay. Did we obey the Ten Commandments? Well, if we took things literally, think about it. Uh, I didn't see anyone making any golden images uh, today. Um, I didn't see any idols out there, so that's good. Uh, I didn't hear anyone swear, taking the name of the Lord in vain. Everyone is here, so you remembered the Sabbath, right? Um, no one disobeyed their parents. No one killed anyone, right? Everyone's still alive, right? And uh, we won't even go into adultery. Um, no one stole anything uh, while the eyes were closed, I hope. Uh, no pockets were picked. I didn't hear anyone bearing false witness. No coveting took place, right? So did we obey the Ten Commandments? Well, if we have a literal trans, you know, understanding of that, well, yeah. But the thing is, is that Jesus is about love. When he talks about all of the laws in the Torah, he said that the greatest were to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. That's what the cross is about. That's what the crucifixion of the Christ is about. Divine love and grace. We are to have an active love, 
so that if we truly love God and if we truly love our neighbor, then the Ten Commandments aren't about a list of don'ts and we don't do anything, but rather they become for us a descriptor. I love the Lord my God, and so I will not make any idols, and I will not put anything above him. I will not take the name of the Lord in vain, but honor it. I will remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. If I love my neighbor, then I will certainly love my parents. I will honor and love life. I will respect life. I will respect another's property. I will respect and love the truth. Just like the old camp song, they will know we are Christians by our Oh, now, come on. Some of you were listening, so thank you. Uh, but let's try that again and with some conviction here because we have to have that zeal, right? They will know we are Christians by our... They will know we are Christians by our love. Right, come on. This morning, let us think of ways in which we need to do some spiritual spring cleaning. In this way, we can focus on what our core beliefs are, like the grace of God is shown through the cross of Christ. We can focus on who we are, instruments of God's grace and love, and we are described and defined by the Ten Commandments. Let us, as we leave this place, be instruments of God's love and grace to all who this all of God's children said. You have just heard a very special sermon from Shepherd of the Valley Lutheran Church. We thank you for listening to the Shepherd Cast this week. If you like what you heard, and you are able and you live in the Northeast Ohio area, we would like to invite you to join us for worship on Sundays. Our services are Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. You can learn more about the worship environment at our church by visiting sotvchurch.com slash worship. While you are there, you will also see the precautions which we are taking on account of the COVID-19 pandemic in order to worship safely. As I say every week, we are a church in service. If you wish to support this podcast, we hope you will support us by supporting our church's ministry. For more information on how you can do that, please visit sotvchurch.com support. Of course, you can keep up with us online at our church website, sotvchurch.com, and you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at sotvsandyville. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Shepherd Cast, so please tune in then. Until then, we thank you for listening, and God bless.